another episode of Block Talk presented by Theme in the Now. I'm your host as always, Michael Block. Got a project to plug? Want to advertise in the podcast? Hit me up. We'll make it happen. Feel like sponsoring? Let's make that happen too. And as always, follow me on Instagram at Michael Block Talk. Follow us on Twitter and visit theaterinthenow.com for latest news, reviews, and interviews. She sings, she dances, she sews. Is there anything she can't do? We'll find out. It's the fabulous Viva Vidalia. How are you? I'm so good. Wow. I do a lot of stuff. You do? <laughs> yeah, I mean, I mean we, we all try. I mean, especially in the day of COVID, everyone's learning new skills. Did you learn any, like, new skills during quarantine, which feels like a billion years ago? I sure, well, I mean, technically we're still in it, right? Right. I sure did. Um, I learned how to make a corset. Oh, that's a good skill to I learn. A, uh, a body shaping corset. Uh, I learned how to make one because they're so they're very expensive. And to find them in my size is also even more expensive. Right. So then I decided, you know what, let me just so I can do this. So I spent instead of buying a thousand dollar corset, I spent forty dollars and I made my, one for myself. That's awesome. I love that. Well, yes. that is a good skill. I will say my the skill that I learned is I am very good at binging TV shows. Oh, wow. <laughs> yeah. Oh, my God. I, I, well, I'm over TV, I think. Well, for people who didn't know that before, now would be the time to find out. Yeah. <laughs> I Yeah, it's... I can sit through an entire series in a day. I, I'm, I'm, I can... I have the stamina... Yeah, are you one of those people, like, do you take breaks after a certain time? Or if you're into it, will you just go straight until, like, 5 in the morning? Honestly, it really depends what it is. I try to, like, schedule it so I don't, like, stay up until 5 in the morning. But there are certain shows that I'm like, I need more. You got to tell me what's going to happen. Like, I watched The Flight Attendant in one day in one sitting. Like, I haven't even watched that one yet. Oh, it's so good. I loved it. Um, but then there are shows like the Queen's Gambit I watched. I had to break that up. Like I had to do like one or two episodes a day because it was just so slow and so heavy that I was like, uh-uh, can't do that. I one. was about to say unpopular opinion. I didn't think it was that great, but everyone seems to be really into it. I, I enjoyed it for what it was. Um, I think there were cute moments. I think yay chess. Um, but really it's a, it's a story about, a strong female protagonist written by a man so yes that's how we have to perceive it <laughs> well i watched so i remember I, I i just finished bridgerton and i started watching at 11 p.m and i didn't finish until about eight in the morning the next day because i just barreled through it like i just watched yeah. the sun come up as i'm still turning on to episodes so I, suppose I, 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 I enjoyed Bridgerton. I didn't watch it. Uh, I think I did that in like two or three sittings. Um, but I, we love we love soapy period pieces, especially with those that art direction. Yes. Oh, and I love that the okay, it's eight hour long episodes, and the only issue, <laughs> the only issue of the entire series is whether or not this guy is going to come inside of this woman. Correct. That's it. <laughs> So I've deduced yeah. that uh, the times before contraception 
were a dark time for many people. Oh my god! Like literally, what do they do? They sat in their in their drawing rooms waiting for men to come court them. That is literally yes. what the show is about. I mean, honestly, not that much different than what I'm doing these days. That's fair. Except That's fair. I don't have a drawing room. <laughs> I wish I could have a fancy mansion with a drawing room because I don't even know what I would do in a drawing room. Do you, do you wish that? I don't wish that. I wish I had a million billion dollars and I had a fancy place, but not 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 that, that kind of fancy place. Like I, I have a dream home in Malibu. Like give me in a modern mansion like that. Really? You want to live? See, I, I don't ever want to leave New York City. I don't want to leave New York City either. That's going to be my vacation home. <laughs> Uh, like my dream my dream home is like uh the entire floor of some of like the seventh floor in midtown somewhere some yeah. studio yeah i i would like love my dream a, um a penthouse maybe in like chelsea yes yeah that, well maybe that, not that... chelsea those apartments are small well fair well that's why i want a penthouse give me like the top floor give me like a a a, a pool on the roof give me that that's never gonna happen why, why see, like, I, feel like, I feel like a penthouse is chelsea is just a regular apartment in harlem <laughs> yeah it's probably true it's probably very accurate well i'm excited to learn everything there is possible about you and i always love to start at the beginning so where are you from uh well i'm i'm from here I'm, i was well that's not true i was born in salvador <laughs> uh so and I came to this country when I was three and my parents I've always lived um I was raised rather on Long Island mm-hmm. in Hempstead Long Island uh and for I've lived elsewhere for like months at a time like I lived in Texas for a little bit and I lived in Florida for a little bit but I for like I, I've never left New York City so I'm pretty much New we York all New York home not born but certainly raised absolutely what were you like as a kid growing up Oh, you know, I was I was just having a conversation with my mother where I don't remember my past very well. <laughs> but uh, I believe I, I was so I knew really young that I wanted to do music. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, so I I definitely was super into that, and I was learning different instruments and always trying to 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 learn how to sing and stuff. Um. I want to believe I was quiet, but I don't think I was. Mm-hmm. My parents kept saying I was very loud. I'm like, mm, I don't think that's very true. <laughs> um, God, I can't remember. I was fat. Awkward <laughs> kid. Fat, awkward kid that played the clarinet and violin. <laughs> okay, clarinet, violin. How did those two become your go-to instruments? Uh, well, the clarinet just became the so in elementary school, my elementary school anyway. You were able to pick a instrument, mm-hmm. and I really wanted to play the flute, but I thought my parents would think that was too gay. Okay, <laughs> so that I got I'm like the clarinet's a happy medium, uh, and violin just I, I saw it on TV when I was four years old, and I fell in love with it. And I asked my parents if they can get me lessons, and they said yes. Nice. Yeah, I, uh, in, I guess, elementary school, into middle school, into high school, played the alto saxophone. Um, but yeah, there, there is a, 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 a gender bias to certain instruments. Like, all the girl, well, if you were a girl, you played the flute. Yeah. No, no boys would play the flute. And I don't know why that was. Just because people are dumb and they think that light and frilly things are immediately for girls. Mm-hmm. And they think and like, that, like, 
it was always the boys who had yeah the boys had to play the drums and if there was a girl in in the drum line it was a big deal yeah oh my god there was a she was a dear friend of mine her name is rosie i'm still friends with her who she was the only girl in the entire district that played the trumpet wow and it like baffled band teachers across they're like it's so, so weird really I, good. I would be curious to know how it is with kids nowadays um if they are having the sorry same about gender. the do you hear the fire truck sorry oh you're good that's fine yeah i wonder if there's a gender bias still when it comes to instruments in in school but i can't even imagine how these kids are learning how to play instruments remotely if it's even possible I mean, you can learn just about everything on YouTube these days. Yeah. Because um, I remember, well, like, when I was younger, at least, like, I definitely needed a, a teacher to help me physically, like, learn all the fingering of, a, of the alto sax. So it's maybe that's just me. I just needed somebody there. Well, I you know, like I, I have a theory that there are there are people who pick up instruments because they want to learn how to play and it's a hobby. And then there are people who pick up instruments because they love to play it. Yeah. Uh, and I believe if you are that person, then learning by yourself is probably a little bit easier. I learned a lot by myself, mm-hmm. um, just like sitting in a room by myself with a book and playing music, just kind of how I learn everything now. Yeah. Okay. So music, it's time to go to school. Where did you go? I went to uh, early childhood center. Not for kindergarten because I ate, I wasn't allowed in kindergarten, but that was like preschool, I guess. <laughs> I guess it was preschool. Uh, I went to Early Childhood Center and then I went to Jackson Annex and then I went to Jackson, Maine. I love those schools. I lived right across the street. I was late every single day. Even being so I, close? That's what made it worse. That's, yeah, I kind of understand that. Yeah. Uh, so I went to school. Uh, it was fun. And we wore uniforms. I think my mother still has mine. <laughs> and then I went to ABGS Middle School in Hempstead, New York. Nice. Alberta B. Gray Schultz. Uh, yeah. And that's where I had my first cigarette. So that wasn't great. Oh. <laughs> yeah. I became, I was a bad kid. It's bad kid. So you're bad in middle school. Were you bad in high school? No. And, and I think in high school, the shock of being queer set in, and I just uh-huh. became scared of everything. That's valid. I understand that. <laughs> uh, but in middle school, yeah, I was definitely... But see, the thing is that I always got okay grades, so mm-hmm. everybody left me alone, and I was like That's literally good. smoking. I was smoking <laughs> in bathrooms and shit. So high school, what, what do you do after high school? What's the next step? Uh, right after high school, I went to college. So I went to... And I started drag. Mm-hmm. Um, I went to NASA Community College first and then, you know, got my various degrees in different places. But I started drag when I was 18 uh, because that was 2009. And that was when I saw RuPaul's Drag Race. Season one. Th- w- yeah. Like, did, did you see it? I mean, there was a filter, so. <laughs> yeah i mean you know you squint one eye yeah and you, you, see you know you grit your teeth and you look real real hard and then you can kind of make out a lace front yeah and you can see everything that um rebecca glasscock got off the rack oh my god her h&m dresses Oof. oh but it was a different time very very different see- time 
I remember seeing that show. I was completely obsessed with uh, with uh, what's her face, Nina, Nina uh, Flowers. Yes. Yeah. I was obsessed with her. I'm like, what is that? Uh, and I want to do that. And then I did it. <laughs> did you? I'm start... not gonna do it, girl. I'm not. <laughs> did gonna you do start it. off with your drag name as it is now? No. You... My oh god. I think Let's... it was Michelle. Michelle. Michelle Love or something okay, stupid. Okay. Because in my mind, I'm like, oh, names because of drag race. Drag names have to be like names. Right. So that's what I chose. I was young and impressionable. So when what is the origin story of Viva Viva Vidalia? Uh well, so there was that. I saw uh, you know, like I'd always kind of been feminine and mm-hmm. I always was attracted to performance and and makeup and all this stuff and that I thought you know boys don't do that at the time I was a boy (laughs) but (laughs) like boys don't do that so I shouldn't do that but then I saw it on tv and I'm like oh some boys do yeah so uh and then I just went to my mom's bathroom and I started playing around with her makeup and then I started sneaking into a bar found out that drag queens drink for free or they, they don't card them. So I went to Payless. I got myself a two-inch wedge shoe. I got a dress from Avenue because that's all I could find that fit me at the time. Stole one of my mom's bras and like looked terrible and went to this bar. And the cool thing about looking terrible when you're in drag is that people just say you're beautiful no matter what. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. And I guess being the awkward fat kid for so long, I had never experienced that. So I'm like, I like this. And then I realized that drag queens have to perform. And I'm like, okay. So then I did that. <laughs> Were you always a dancer? Or did dancing come through drag? Oh, always a dancer. Um, I took I took ballroom dancing when I was very young. Oh, cool. Um, yeah. That's when... for because So me, I have a twin brother. Uh, and him and I were both five foot nine in fifth grade. Mm-hmm. So we are very tall, very fast. Yeah. So everyone kind of thought that we were like going to be athletic. Right. <laughs> so my mom, but I like, I hate sports. I wasn't going to play that. So my mom, I was like, why don't I dance? And then I did dance. Uh, so I do have a little bit of training. I know what I'm doing, kind of, from way back when. <laughs> But yeah, I've always been a dancer. I, I always I, I I can't listen to music or a beat or anything without physically moving my body. Yeah, absolutely. It just happens. Um, so I'm like, why stop it if it's kind of natural to me? You know? Absolutely. How would you describe Viva in three words? Oh God, uh, stupid, uh-huh. sexy, uh huh, and. Uh, uh, versatile. All right, I like that. I like that. How long does it take to transform into Viva? How how what's what's the makeup situation nowadays? Oh god! Oh gosh! Um, I got really fast. Uh, I think the fastest I've ever gotten into full drag. I mean, like wig glued down, face on, into costume was probably. I think the fastest was twenty seven minutes. Damn, that's good. Which was like a 15-minute phase. I mean, that's still pretty... That, that's <laughs> yeah, that's well, good. And I, you know what it was? 
it was for a pride parade i, I got booked by uh diet pepsi or yeah diet <laughs> pepsi and i overslept that day and if i needed to be ready in 27 minutes and out of my doors to get to somewhere by the call time or i would not yeah. get and it's a i mean pride gigs are a substantial amount of money absolutely we're talking like we're talking like one and a half months of rent so mm-hmm. i'm like well i can either go back to sleep and kind of be mad at myself or i can get the fuck up and i can get in drag in 27 minutes and you did it it wasn't the prettiest face there was a lot of glitter but bitch she put the wig on in the cab (laughs) she got to the gig nice so that's my fastest regularly i would like i would like an hour and a half Mm -hmm. so i can take my time with things do you have any traditions as you get ready uh i used to listen to a lot of music i like to listen to podcasts now okay very uh, hey i i support that fully <laughs> um yes, yeah I no like it's it's, it's i find a lot of drag artists like to listen to podcasts as they get ready because it's something that's a background noise that they don't really have to focus fully on you don't have to focus fully on my podcast i'm okay with that i understand it just um, watch it <laughs> yeah so listen. like it it's it, it's it's easy to listen to um but i know that like my listenership went down um with the quarantine and everything because a lot of people would also listen to it on their journeys to work or journeys to, to shows or stuff so yeah. we're not doing that as much so i know not as pe- many people are listening but I, I i i appreciate when people listen when they get ready for a show well i so for me um like getting ready and and doing that ritual it has Mm. to get me in the mood for the evening right because i'm i'm very lazy and i'm very much a homebody so having to get myself ready to go somewhere requires a little bit of amping up sure uh so it depends on the gig if i'm doing like for example like the urban bear festival that i Mm -hmm. hosted last year that was going to be a lot of performing a lot of dance music a lot of movement so i listened to like dance mixes while yeah. i was getting ready um when i'm doing when i'm hosting like a karaoke gig or i'm getting ready to do a podcast i'll listen to comedians or podcasts so that it kind of gets my brain working in that way um, absolutely yeah because it makes it, it makes sense to do that instead for me instead of like if i came at you with the energy of like jennifer lopez las vegas residency you'd be like um <laughs> <laughs> you'll be like okay too much energy there's a little too much <laughs> do you have any favorite makeup products yes yes i do i got the nikki tutorials palette by beauty bay uh-huh. it, it has every color that i that i could possibly ever wear it's what i'm wearing now um and I also just got the Too Faced Born This Way foundation. Nice. That is very great. Do you find that regardless of price point, good makeup needs to work for you? And if it if it's more than it normally is, it's going to last. Do you, will you pay a little extra if it's going to be good makeup? Yeah. I mean... Makeup is truly one of those things that you get what you pay for. Right. So things are, I mean, obviously, like with any any product, there are markups and stuff like that. Sure. But if you buy something cheap, you're going to get a cheap result. 
especially for something like drag that is a lot of heat a lot of sweating yeah. a lot of movement you need to get like foundations and powders and and primers or whatever things that are going to help things stick to your skin even when it's wet right and did that you, stuff is expensive yeah did you experiment a lot with different brands and different um products as you grew in uh in the beginning stages of drag oh yeah 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 i've used like 17 different types of foundations before also but here's the thing like as you i started so young and as you grow older your skin changes sure um so even though like right now my tried and true foundation is mayron cream blend mm -hmm. but in two years or you know I'm, I'm 30 now so maybe in like another five years uh i might have to switch to something else because it just doesn't right. work you know who were some of the first people that helped you out on your drag journey? Help! Oh, um, well, <laughs> uh, so I was very inspired by a lot of local queens mm -hmm. in New York City. So the first few that I met were like Ari Kiki, mm -hmm. who, uh, on one of actually my my first gig in New York City was Ari Kiki show at Boots and Saddles. Um, and she kind of just taught me because I was very scared and very young and, and like mm -hmm. I didn't know and it was, this community was so big, especially here in New York City. And she just like took me down one day and just said, like, chill out. Yeah, <laughs> this is all stupid. This is all fun. Don't take it seriously. And to this day, it's probably some of the best advice I got. Uh, and obviously, in, in terms of like, you know, like actual tangible things, if I, I used to live with Florence Lee. Mm hmm. If I had never lived with her, I wouldn't be able to sew the way that I do. Absolutely. So she definitely helped me with that. Um, in terms of makeup, I no one ever really helped me. I just was really, really, really bad until I got really good. <laughs> do you, do you, were you someone who watched YouTube videos and tutorials? Or were you someone who was more like, I'm just going to practice on my own face and play around? Oh, because they, did, they didn't exist when I first started. That's very valid. That's fair. I mean, well, that's not true. They they didn't exist to the to the caliber of which they exist now. Sure, there was maybe like Misty Eyed Maven, uh, like she's one that I watched a lot. She did a lot of hair, pageant girl. Mm -hmm. um, Petrolude is another one. I think he's back. He's to be a drag queen, um, and those are the only two like makeup tutorial that I watched. Gotcha. And even those were very uh, like. They weren't teaching anything. They were just like, this is what I do on my face. <laughs> right, right, right. Uh, but so I just kind of, you know, like I looked at other drag queens and I, like, for example, I saw Alexis Michelle and I tried to copy her eye. Um, I saw Brenda Darling and I really liked the way she put on her lips. And mm -hmm. I saw Rikiki and I actually really liked that harsh line of a contour. So like I saw all these different drag queens in New York City and I kind of took bits and pieces of what I liked from them and put them on my face. And then I got better at that. Nice. Which I, I think it's like, yeah, I think I I think that's a smarter way to do things. Absolutely. Than like trying to copy Aquarius face off of YouTube, you know? Exactly. Now, you said you love all these things. When you try them out. Did you ask them for like any tips at, before you did it? Or did you just put it on and then tell them, thank you for letting me borrow? I just kind of did it. Well, I mean, like, Alexis Michelle is absolutely beautiful, and there's no absolutely. way that so like 
we look so different outside of drag that there would be no way that I would ever even come close to looking like the way she looks like. In, sure. You know what I mean? So like, I just took the basic shape. I wasn't going to come up to a perfect stranger, a person I did not know and just be like, excuse me, drag queen, you're beautiful. I'm going to steal your eyes. You know <laughs> like, what? That would have been weird. There are a lot of baby queens who will do that. They, no, there they, are. Yeah, like they they will definitely go up to you and be like, "Oh my god, you're so beautiful. How do you do this?" And then the flattery is like, "Oh my god, you love this." And then they tell you, and then they take your eye. Yeah, <laughs> I think the be- the behavior of baby queens back, you know, like even just even just five years ago, was different absolutely than it was now because it almost felt like you had to have some you had to have a drag mother or someone that was teaching you the ways Mm -hmm. and then you would you would do her show and you would be like presented right like now they are available for bookings versus now like everyone can just start doing drag in their own home and become very famous so so true okay so you said Ari Kiki's show is your first gig do you remember Mm -hmm. your first performance what did you perform uh oh uh titanium by sia oh good good (laughs) song well in new york city i cannot remember the first song i performed the very very first one all right all right maybe it'll come to you spears i think it might have been britney love britney yeah when you started did you find that the, the scene was very competitive or was it just more like a family and everyone's doing their own thing? When I started, um, well, I started on Long Island. Mm-hmm. So it was very competitive because at the time, th- th- there's Nassau County and Suffolk County. In Nassau County, there were no gay bars. Sure. There were bars that had like a gay night, maybe, which meant that there was usually one queen working right um which is actually the way it was in Nassau county there was a bar called industry no relation (laughs) Uh, and they had a gay saturdays were gay night and they had one drag queen that would perform there every week so there was however many drag queens in, in Nassau county and there was literally one gig a week that everybody was trying to get um and then in Suffolk County, there was a gay bar and that was that. But so it was incredibly, it was incredibly competitive and catty because you had to make friends even with people that you didn't like. Right. If you wanted to work, um, which is not different than New York City that much. It's just, Mm-mm. it's just there are a few more spots that you can work at. Here. Right. So when you start out, you're here in New York. One of the things to get your name out there is to do drag competitions. You, uh-huh. you took part in Lady Liberty. You did Miss Rock Bar. What were those experiences like for you? Were, were you always in it to win it or were you there for the exposure, all of the above? Uh, well, I certainly was in it to win. I, I'm actually, I'm low key, very competitive, but uh-huh. I like to pretend like I'm not because sure. <laughs> I want to be like, cool. Yeah. Um, Lady Liberty, I had already been doing drag for so long when I did Lady Liberty. And I actually only did it because somebody asked me to. Gotcha. I did not sign up for that on my own volition because it is a lot of work, these competitions. Mm-hmm. Um, and there is no guarantee of a payoff. Like You don't get paid right. to do a competition. You get paid if you win. Um, 
So that, I don't want to say scares me, but it definitely deters me away from it because if I work that hard on anything, I want some kind of return, especially sure. when I am working gigs where I don't have to compete and I can just get paid. Um, but I do like to compete because it that kind of pressure brings out something in you that you wouldn't maybe do yourself. Right. So like, I always make new costumes. I make them all myself. I make all my hair. I'm working on mixes. And then even if I lose a competition, I still have new things to use out in the Absolutely. world. Absolutely. Um, when I first started, there were not as many competitions as there was now. Right. I, well, now there's nothing, but you know what I mean? Yeah, uh, no, no, now it is every bar has something. Um, every bar has an open night. Everyone has a competition where there's $100 to the winner. And now they started doing like the winner of four weeks gets to compete in the whatever. I'm like, okay. Right. There, there is definitely some milking going on. Um, I mean, I, I miss producing these competitions because for me, it wasn't just necessarily about crowning a, a contender to win. It was the community aspect and seeing all these people come from all these various places to see the artists competing and it really was a fun community, especially with Iconic. Like, I, I yes, was talking to shout someone, out to the Iconic competition. Yeah, we, like I was talking to someone um, who told me that they were living at living in Brooklyn when um, they were com- started to come to Iconic. They came every week from Brooklyn and had no affiliation yeah. with any of the performers, but they loved the show so much. Yeah, which and is about was, an hour, an hour commute. Exactly, and like so for me, that was like this is a victory. Like, yes, we've crowned three incredible winners. We've had so many incredible artists, but we have an audience and a family that's created through the competition. So I I always appreciated that. And it's given exposure to a lot of drag artists through these competitions. Um, Cause I, I, it's a good way because there's so many drag. There's just so many that it's so easy to get lost in the shuffle. So if you're trying, if you're a brand new queen who has no gigs or who doesn't have any connections, and you're trying to show off your skills, like yeah, go do a competition. Somebody will see you, even if it's even if it's for a private gig. Right. So like some, you, listen, somebody at that competition in the audience might be having a birthday or a wedding, mm-hmm. and they love you. They book you. They pay you five hundred dollars. Like. Do that. You gotta yeah. do it. Someone, I mean, you have to. You gotta do it. My my favorite example is um, with Iconic. I brought on my friend Ron Lasco, who is a press agent for Spin Cycle. He does all the bookings at the Lori Beachman. He came and judged our season one Snatch Game week. He saw Sissy Walken do Marge Simpson and saw Sissy Walken do Amy Winehouse, and he booked her at the Beachman for both those characters. Yeah, there's a payoff. What happens? Yeah. Um, I think I officially met you and saw you for the first time when I judged the Lady Liberty finale. You were season one or two, or uh, two or three. Two that was right with uh, Avon and and Kimmy. Yes, right. That was was robbed. I was robbed. Oh, I was robbed. What me and Avon are are really great friends, and we talk about that all the time. And she agrees with me. I mean, like, girl, you took that crown from me. And she's like, girl, 
I <laughs> it was I mean so that was the fir- my first time ever judging a competition so I I was a little green and new to it I was like okay Vincent you think you trust me thank you sure um, but <laughs> yeah. I just I remember uh, Avant doing fucking Mad Libs being like what is this who yes. is this creature and because of that she kind of took that stick all over Avant uh-huh. I mean she does game nights and, and that's it's what true. she wants to do yeah she um, hates performing. I certainly got a, she... yeah. Well, I certainly it. got a lot, a lot of gigs from that. Absolutely, that yeah. Particular competition, um, even by as, as the sponsors, absolute. Yeah, <laughs> they were, love. and they contacted me, and then I rode on their float for Pride. Hey, it all works out. You did win something, you, you, Mister Rock Bear. I sure did win a boy pageant. Yes, I did. <laughs> what inspired you to do a boy pageant? Have you been have you been doing uh, drag pageants prior to that? Oh yeah, I did everything. I I I did a Miss Continental prelim, which I lost horribly. I did Miss Monster. Uh, I did Miss Barracuda, or I signed up for Miss Barracuda. I, I was doing them all. The the Mister Rock Bear happened because. Um, I was, I'm and still very much a part of the bear community here in New York City. Uh, and I had, at, I was working at Rock Bar a lot and I saw that they were doing this competition and uh, the very first, I was the second, the very first Mr. Rock Bear is this guy named John John, who's a dear friend of mine. Um, and he, he said, you should, you should like do this. You love this bar and I think you'd win. I'm like, okay. And that's kind of just the way it happened. I, 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 I don't necessarily particularly think, well, at the time I was a boy, things have <laughs> changed, but like, I don't, I didn't think it was like, I was particularly attractive or like, uh, like I was very big figure in, in New York city bear community. Um, I just kind of did it on a whim and then mm-hmm. I won. What did you take from uh, that competition that you've brought into your life afterwards? Uh, well, I think I finally. So when I people say things when they when they say things like you're a part of this community, I'm part of the drag community, I'm part of the mm-hmm. bear community, they it's become a buzzword. Like right. people just say it, uh, and, and they forget that a community is something that you take from, but you also have to give back to. Mm-hmm. And I think the competition definitely showed me that the competition, winning the competition, as well as like being Mr. Rock Bear and having to represent the bar and honestly, New York City's bear community as a whole was just like realizing how something that seems so vain and only about sex and, and trivial is actually something that is building money and yeah. working for charity and creating spaces where people can come and feel free to be who they are. Yeah. Uh, so, and I didn't know that because up until that point, I thought like, I'm a bear, I'm hairy. I like to get fucked in dark rooms. And it is that like the yeah. bear community is that, but it is also a group of men who look and identify a certain way but who also have lives who are professionals who can get things mm-hmm. done who can raise money who can you know raise influence and awareness yeah um, i mean so I, I i i will admit it i my insecurities 
prevented me to going to rock bar for a very long time because I had the perception that people had told me that rock bar was a bear bar. And I was not necessarily sure that's the community I wanted to put myself Mm -hmm. in because I had my own insecurities with my appearance and, and everything, but going to rock bar, it's, it is a wonderful, beautiful, safe spot. Yeah. It, it is, I mean, it is It is New York City's premier bear bar. It yeah. absolutely is. But it, you don't have to be a bear to go. You right. don't have to be anything to go anywhere. Just, like, you know, mm-hmm. uh, and, and uh, well, you know, within reason. But what I can say to that and to anybody who always feel like, I used to feel the same way about like going to Hardware in Hell's Kitchen mm-hmm. or, you know, or going to like the Ritz. Yeah because I am a larger person and, and that in my mind, that was like perceived to be where the muscle heads go and, and like the circuit Queens party when they're not on a boat in torture by art. And the thing is, it is that it, mm-hmm. it, part of it is that the, the muscle Queens do go to bars and hell's kitchen, but you, at some point you have to decide to start being the person that you wish was at these bars. Yeah. For example, at Rock Bar, I wanted to see more drag at Rock Bar. I wanted to see more femme representation. So instead of just waiting for it to happen for somebody else to come and do it, I got up and drag and I started going. Yeah. And I became the person that I wanted to see more of. And I think that attracted more. Because mm-hmm. I will say that after I did my little show at Rock Bar, once a week, all of a sudden, all these new girls came out of nowhere and there was a drag show every single day. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And that's cool. That's growth. That's development. I love that. Absolutely. And and there, there's Rock Bar, I can't speak more highly of. I think it's a really incredible venue, really incredible people work there. And it's one of those rare places that it's not always a femme presenting drag queen every single night. There are other kinds of shows um there is burlesque there 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 are drag kings that get to perform right. there um so in the digital world you will be taking part in the silver tusk all-star awards i sure am i've been nominated three times <laughs> so for the listeners I'm very excited explain to us what the silver tusk awards are the Silver Tusk Awards are an award show. It is it's awards given for burlesque performers, primarily in New York City nightlife. Um, and generally, it, it's actually put together by Victor Devon, who is mm-hmm. the leader of uh, White Elephant Burlesque Group um, and show that happens at Rock Bar. Yep, and. Uh, I, the idea is that while they we do we celebrate all kinds of burlesque um, and all kinds of bodies and all kinds of peoples, uh, I believe that Victor and that show and the White Elephant uh, Burlesque Society really highlights is kind of non-traditional burlesque. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, not Dita Von Tees and Feathers, but more uh, conceptual pieces. And I think the the and that that is what White Elephant and the Silver Tusk Awards is doing is kind of highlighting and giving awards to this community of people who don't necessarily get the limelight because they are in a profession that is believed to be just 
titty tassels and feathers. And right. it's so much more than that. It's so much more than that. There, 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 there's storytelling, there's performance, there's art. And, and that's what's kind of exciting about this. So what are you nominated for? Tell, tell the listeners. Uh, oh, gosh. I'm nominated for, uh, I believe one of them is called, they're very long titles. One is like, <laughs> Most Put Together. Okay. So okay. like costumes, performance, hair. One of them is, is, uh, is beauty. So like specifically for makeup, which I was very surprised about because some of the makeup that these burlesque performers turn out is crazy, stupid, insane. Like, mm-hmm. So I'm, like, I'm not winning that one. Uh, and I forgot the other one. I forgot it. I was just so <laughs> excited because uh, they asked me to perform and I said, sure. And then they sent me a flyer and it says Viva Vidalia three-time nominee. And I'm like, whoa, whoa, whoa. <laughs> I'm how many? I'm nominated how many times? Uh, so I didn't. I didn't even look what I was nominated for. I just kind You're of just like, like three. I'll take it. I was really excited about being nominated at all, uh, because I do. I perform burlesque um, in and out of drag. So, uh, but not too many people know that that I have a few of those acts. Uh, so it's cool that anybody is even aware that mm-hmm. I do it, and also that somebody wants to potentially give me a new award for it. <laughs> yeah. Well, I, I want to, but this is a good segue. Let, let's talk about awards in general. Okay. Obviously when it comes to nightlife, the one of the bigger, possibly the biggest, whatever, whoever wants to debate it is the glam awards. Uh-huh. Um, you've been nominated before. Yes, I have been nominated. Do you, when you were nominated, did you feel that it helped propel you to the, a, a new step when it came to being booked, being uh, looked at as a drag artist? Or was it just uh, a, okay, cool, here, my name's on a list for something that people are going to forget about in two years? I think so. I, it was, I think the best part of, so the nomination, the only two nominations that I've ever gotten were Breakthrough, like Best New Artist, I guess, mm-hmm. and also Best Dance Performer. Right. Um, and I don't know how it affected other people's perception of me, per se, but for me, I was nominated alongside, particularly in the dance category, people that I admire, mm-hmm. like Brenda Darling, Pixie Aventura, Boudoir Lafleur. Like these are dancers. These are trained dancers. Right. Like that is their thing. They, I mean, honestly, who could dance me under a rug? Who would absolutely destroy me? So it was just cool that people, because people have to pick the nominees, that people actually considered me worthy of mm-hmm. being along that group. It was an honor just to be nominated. That's how I feel. Uh, but um, in terms of like you know like for my career i don't think so uh being well that's not true because being when you're nominated for breakthrough artist i think people kind of the people book like uh who book people they look at that list very short list of six or seven drag queens and they're like oh these are the people we should be watching these are like the new girls um and it's true I think the year that I lost Breakthrough Artist, uh, Jan Sport won, and then mm-hmm. next year she was on Drag Race. So right, yeah. I mean, it's it's definitely a one of those things where there is a perception attached to it. Obviously, this year that is very different. There's only five categories, 
and there's still controversy attached to it like there's always going to be um but (laughs) i think it we're in a different year it's a it's a it's a different time so the digital awards fine does it need to be the 22nd and continue on the legacy maybe it should get an asterisk and we can have number 22 next year but it is what it is um i'm sure that you have hopes one day that you can be nominated for costume design for glam yeah actually i'm i am that is my dream i do not want to win that category because i do not deserve it because there are sick i mean the, the the designers like pioretta victory and florence lee and and chris hines people who in the city who are designers i cannot compete with mm-hmm. but it would be really cool to be recognized on that again it would be an honor just to be nominated yeah um like so like gloria swanson i mean people who haven't won yet who should win before i am even considered of winning anything so you uh, said, but it is a, yeah. is a goal of mine so you said florence really helped you and taught you to sew and to create yeah well, so I, I know how to sew. I've been sewing since I was very mm-hmm. young. So I have the skill. I, what Florence taught me a lot about is costume design mm-hmm. and building things and, and what looks good on people of a certain size and, and how to actually kind of construct things that are more than just fabric stitched together. Right. Uh, so I, I really, I mean, she we never sat down and had like a formal, she never like right. taught me that way uh but we lived together so i was helping her and a lot with like stoning things or cutting out patterns or even when some of the girls would come over to for fittings i would help so i would just watch and uh pick up things but yeah she's a she's a big part she's a big part of what i of why i like to do it and why people would even trust me to mm-hmm. make them something because she gives them the word that i that i'm good job yeah, I mean, Florence is greatly represented on Drag Race now, and yeah, there are some beautifully iconic looks that she's made. Yeah, it's Florence Dilly's best friend race. Yeah, it really is. <laughs> That's so, what it is, Florence and and Casey. Casey later. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean. and 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 again, like you mentioned, Peretta. Like it's always a joy for me to be like, I know that's Peretta, and I'm so excited to see it on my TV screen. Yeah, it's really. I mean, it's it's. It is a sign of a true designer when you can just look at something and automatically know that they made it. Yeah. So I think. What is your collaboration process? So if a a queen comes to you and say, I want you to make something for me, what, what, what do they need to know? What going in to speak to you as a costume designer? Oh, I mean, I'm fairly simple. So, uh, especially with drag queens very rarely does someone actually come up to me and just says give me a viva vidalia design mm-hmm. uh I, so that doesn't happen too often with me usually people will come to me and they'll already have a sketch or they'll have a very good idea um generally what i would like to know if i'm making an original design is what is it for mm-hmm. what are some of the colors that you'd like uh do you have your measurements and then that's really all I need from there. Yeah. And then I can kind of draw something up. Uh, but yeah, I get a lot of seamstress work, which is a lot of like, uh, like I can you recreate this Ariana Grande outfit? Or, hey, I need this leotard. Or like, can you make me a circle skirt? Mm-hmm. I get a lot of those kind of things, which is, I'm not complaining because that's what 
for the most part is paying my rent these days. Right. Uh, but that's really all you, you just need. I, I respond well to people who at the very least know what color they want. Fair, that's <laughs> you fair. know what I mean? Like, or, or even if you don't know what color, at least tell me what it's for. Like, are you doing a podcast where people are only going to see you from the, the navel up? Or are you taking promo pictures? Like, right. you, what is it for? Um, and I, also, you know, have money. <laughs> that's true now are you do you like them to have a budget ready to go when you first chat with them or is the is a budget type kind of fluid as it goes along oh no 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 for for some i mean mostly for like for local girls i'll definitely be very upfront about like this is what mm-hmm. this is going to cost this is how much i need now because i am a local girl and i know right that i i've i have one when i was particularly when i was doing the pageants and I was getting gowns made. I know the anxiety of like asking someone for a gown and right. not really knowing how much you're going to end up having to pay for it. Uh-huh. And some of those things can become thousands of dollars. Yep. So uh, I generally like, once they give me an idea and I sketch something out, I say like, let me just try to source. Uh, luckily I've been doing this for a long enough time that I kind of have a knowledge base of, oh, I know where to get this. I know where to get that. So I and I know how much it costs, so I can come up together with the price. Um, for I mean, listen, for some of the some of the girls that I know got it, <laughs> I'm gonna charge. I'm gonna right. charge not more, but I'm gonna charge what I actually deserve. Right. Uh, versus uh, charging local girls what I would want to be charged. Sure, that's fair. That's valid. I think that's very fair. Yeah. What material that's like so in demand? do you hate working with? Oh my God. Thank you for asking me this question. <laughs> and drag queens need to stop wearing this stupid fabric. That double-sided sequin Uh-oh. that when you rub it, it changed colors. Yep. If you ask me to make you anything out of that, you are going to be paying me money. Yeah, 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 yeah. That, that, that. Yep, I have pillows in it. I love it. I mean, oh, it's gorgeous to look at, um, but I can't imagine how much of a pain in the ass it is. But it is a pain in the ass to sew. It's incredibly heavy. It cuts your skin up, even with a liner. Like, it is just the worst fabric. But drag queens see sparkly things, and they're yep. like, ooh. Yep. It's like, there are so many other beautiful sequin <laughs> fabrics that you can pick that will be just as sparkly yeah. and significantly easier on me. Um, I... I <laughs> I'll never forget it. It wasn't for a drag queen. It was actually for just some guy that heard of me. I made him a blazer out of that material, mm-hmm. like a gold to black. <sighs> Blazers are all really difficult to make. Just, sure. It's probably one of the hardest things that you can learn how to make as a, as a person who, who constructs and sews. And then to add that, I, I think I was in total, I think I broke 87 needles on my sewing Oh my machine. God. Which is the most frightening. You don't know real fear until the very tip of a tiny needle mm-hmm. is broken off at lightning speeds oh and God. comes barreling towards your eye. That's There's terrifying. no other fear. Well, that's terrifying. I don't like that at all. Yeah. So, like, I hate that fabric. Don't wear it. Don't make me work with it. I hate it so much. Stop it. We like if you and if you're gonna pay me a thousand dollars. There you go. There's there's the there's the rule. Okay, so we love yep. to put things out in the universe to try to make the universe listening and make it happen for us. 
if you could design a costume for any drag artist that you've yet to design something for, who is it? I would love to design for Trixie Mattel. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah, I, lo- I, I love would love Trixie. to design for Trixie. I love Trixie. Uh, she is she's she's white and problematic, but so are many other white people. <laughs> yes, she but is. she's very funny. Yeah. Uh, uh, and I think um, I just it's cool when drag queens have such a set, not style but uh, aesthetic. Mm-hmm. Like because it makes working with them kind of easier. Yeah. <laughs> Branding is very very important. Yeah. And it's also like, you also have to like it. Like you right. can't just create, you have to create a brand, but it also has to be true. Mm-hmm. You know, and I think that Trixie Mattel is a really good example of somebody who really enjoys the clothes she wears. and Because she, she gets to transform into someone completely different. Right. And it's a 60s house Stepford wife. Yeah. <laughs> so we're going to play our first game. It's called This or That. I'm going to give you two options. You're going to pick the one you prefer. Ooh. All right. Aquarium or zoo? Aquarium. Beach or pool? Pool. Facebook or Twitter? Oh, for what? <laughs> whatever. Facebook. I mean, I Twitter, my Twitter is mostly porn. So Facebook, <laughs> Facebook, Facebook. Sci-fi or fantasy? What? How can you make me choose? <laughs> oh ooh, sci-fi or fantasy sci-fi i like space all right chocolate or vanilla vanilla batman or superman hmm. batman he's rich <laughs> dragon or unicorn dragon be loved unicorns. yeah be loved <laughs> or be respected be respected street smart or book smart Street smart. Pop or R&B? Ooh. Pop. I'm going to say pop. All right. And finally, sing or dance? Sing. All right. There you go. We love to go behind the music and learn what your signature number is. What is your signature number and how did it become your signature number? Oh, uh, well... Um, I'm trying to think of, so in the most recent years, I started singing more. So it's probably going to be something I like to sing. Probably, um, Miley Cyrus, Adore You. Okay. I have a little karaoke rendition that I do. Nice. Um, I used to be terrified of singing in drag, uh, for many reasons, mostly because I didn't think, uh, my voice was feminine enough mm-hmm. and like all that stuff. And it's not. My voice is not feminine enough to convince anybody that I <laughs> am more feminine than I am. Uh, but I started singing it everywhere. And I think that's when people realize that, one, I can sing. Mm-hmm. That I'm kind of good at it. And uh, kind of started taking me seriously as that as opposed to just a dancing queen. Right. Um, and I, I just love singing it. I know the words and, and I, like the back of my hand, I know the melodies and it's fun. So it's probably a signature number. Do you find audiences tone, tune out for a moment if you, if a drag queen starts singing? How do, how do you get an uh, audience on your side 
when you're not doing the splits and the kicks and the the death drops oh man that's a good question singing is hard when it's not your show Mm -hmm. Uh, because if you're hosting and you're a singing queen then at the very least you can kind of bring them in with conversation and then joking and stuff but when you're singing hmm you know this is gonna sound terrible but if you're good you're good Mm -hmm. and people know it if you have a beautiful voice people can know it within three seconds of you opening your mouth yeah so and the way that you get any audience with any medium that you're performing is you have to get them within the first five seconds Mm -hmm. so you know if your song has a really long introduction (laughs) that you're singing maybe try saying something first right because you have as soon as the music starts you have five seconds to get people and if you just let music play by the fifth second they've already decided they hate you exactly yeah when you pick your material for a a show do you base it on the venue based on the clientele how do you curate your night oh definitely well, there are just like certain, there's certain numbers and, and performance styles that are going to be accepted in different places. That just is, you know, the thing. You don't, you don't go to, you know, like Webster Hall and perform opera. That's just not what you do. Sure. But, uh, so, uh, although that, that actually would be, that would be incredible. <laughs> yeah. But uh, it's, listen, if you're working in Hell's Kitchen where it's super touristy and people are coming in and out, like, yes, of course. You're probably, I personally, probably going to go for a, an aesthetic, a look that's a little bit more feminine, mm-hmm. a little bit more fishy, as it were. Uh, and I'm probably going to stick to top 40. Right. Because people on vacation are just looking to have a good time. They're not mm-hmm. necessarily looking to be challenged by your artistic endeavors, uh, which is fine. Mm-hmm. Cool. Um, so, yeah, when you're in, in Hell's Kitchen and you're in those bars and when I was working at Hardware Bar, the the music was a little bit more upbeat. It was a little bit more like party time. It was a little bit more right, uh, easily accessible. You know, I get to perform a lot here in Brooklyn now because that's where I live. Um, and this is where I kind of do the stuff, the music that I really like. So like Imogen Heap is one of my favorite artists. Oh, cool. Um, ever. And I get, yes, I love her. Uh, and like I do some Bjork stuff that I, who, another artist who I really, really love. Um, it, and I can do that here in Brooklyn at these spaces because people who live here and go to those spaces appreciate that more. Right. Uh, so th- yeah, you really like, listen, if you ever get booked at a place that you don't know, just ask, mm-hmm. ask the people who are booking you, who goes to this place? Right. What numbers would should I be doing? Um, and by that, I mean, I mean, that that can have some racial undertones. But really, what you should be asking is like, do you want an upbeat number? Mm-hmm. Can I sing a slow song? Uh, should I wear a leotard? Should I wear a gown? Right. And like, you know, people who are booking you, if they're not total assholes, will usually be like, oh, yeah, maybe you should do the Britney song because that'll probably get you paid more. Right. Hey, I mean, that that's the thing that I think is really missing in our community is like, you know, communication. Um, yeah. I don't know why it's yes, so hard for people to communicate, but it apparently is. 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think it's because nobody wants, no, especially Baby Queen, wants to ever show a queen that's been around for a while that they don't know what they're doing. Right. Vulnerability is scary. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And here's the thing. As someone who's been doing this for nearly 11 years now, nobody knows what they're doing. Exactly. Every time you go on a stage, it's a new experience. Mm -hmm. Just ask. You never know if you're going to have a, a, a drunk white girl in the crowd who's just going to jump on top of you in the middle of a performance. Right. And it happens. And <laughs> <laughs> so many times. Mostly in Hell's Kitchen, but it does happen. Yeah. Oh, listen, I've had plenty <laughs> of women at Rock Bar jump on top of me and pull oh, my no. wig off. It's oh, happened no, no. several times. And not just women, every, anybody. It's not like just a women thing. It's like right. people jump on drag queens all the time. Okay, so 2020, we didn't really get to do much live performing. Some people did, whatever. Mm-hmm. When we get back to the bars, drag roulettes will be coming back. And there are going to be a lot of audience members who have not gotten to hear or see drag queens do their favorite songs from 2020. What 2020 song are you most looking forward to performing? And what 2020 song are you least looking forward to performing? Oh, man. I do, I do not want to perform... Uh, what's that song by Dua Lipa? Uh, Don't start now? No. Levitating? I like levitating. What's Physical? the other one? There's a... da, 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 da. Physical? Hallucinate. Oh, hallucinate. Okay, okay. Yeah, that's like the dance track from that song, I think. Um, somebody tried to get me to do it uh, on a digital performance. I'm like, absolutely not. What the no. <laughs> so I'm not looking forward to performing that. I would like to perform Levitate. Um, I I want to perform anything off of Kylie Minogue's new album. It is perfect. It is okay. that that new disco album is so great. Uh, I I'm like listening to it constantly to learn the words so that I can um what song would you perform from disco i don't even know what's the one <laughs> look now i can't think of any of the names now that you've asked me i'm gonna blank out uh the first single the uh say something or magic. was that the first one say something was the first one and everyone's like what the fuck is this and then she released magic and everyone's like okay now we're back magic 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 yeah it's a it's an incredible yeah, 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 album. Magic. Yeah. All right. We're going to play the Cameo Game Show. Oh. If you're not familiar with the website Cameo, you can book a celebrity to record a message for you or a loved one for a small price. But each celebrity has a different cost. In this game, you have to guess who costs more. We are going to be tackling the Queens of New York City. Oh, God. Oh, man. Okay. <laughs> oh, you shady. Well, <laughs> The majority of them are from the drag race, so it'll be a little easier. Okay. All right. So we're going to start off with Peppermint or Nikki Doll? Peppermint. Peppermint is $79. Nikki Doll is $65. Peppermint is $79 for a cameo? Mm-hmm. Oh, my God. Next up is Britta Filter or Alexis Michelle? Alexis. Yep. Alexis is 45 Britta is 40 yeah, 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 yeah. Next, we got Jackie Cox or Ms. Cracker. Uh, who who has more? Who's yeah, more? Who, who, who costs more? Jackie's more. Jackie is 49. Cracker is 75. Oh, man. Really? Mm-hmm. 
next Jackie is the upper game. <laughs> I know, right? Um, next we have Rose or Thorgy Thor. Rose. Rose is 40, Thorgy is 45. Okay, that's kind of about the same. Like, that's what, okay. <laughs> Next up, Scarlet Envy or Tina Burner? I want to say Tina. Scarlet. Scarlet is 50, Tina is 40, but I'm sure Tina will be going up soon. Oh, sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Next, we have Dusty Ray Bottoms or Dahlia Sin. Dahlia Sin. Dahlia is 30, Dusty Ray is 25. Yeah, 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 for sure. That next, makes sense. Next up, we have Janelle number five or Reefy Royalty. Oh God! <laughs> oh God! Um, I, I think the person who would charge more for a cameo would probably be Reefy. Reefy is but ten dollars. Probably only because he's going to be naked in it. <laughs> well, Reefy is ten dollars. <laughs> Janelle is fifteen. Great. <laughs> <laughs> next, we have. That. Paige Turner or Marty Gould Cummings? Marty. Marty is 20, Paige is 25. Oh, boy. And finally, how much can you get a Honey Davenport cameo for? Honeys? Yeah. I know this. Is it Is it 15? She's at 25. Okay, good, so everyone, good, good. Go get a, a Honey Davenport cameo. Get any of their cameos. Support the queens. Yes, I mean, maybe don't pay $79 for somebody, but certainly if you got 25 bucks to spare. Yeah. And and Honey will say literally anything you want her to say. She sure will. <laughs> I've seen her record those things. <laughs> <laughs> How far will you go in drag? What What is your limit? Oh, you can take that question uh, however you want. Okay. Like... Um, I'm assuming you mean in terms of like a performance or something. Sure. Yeah, let's go with that. With something that I would say no. Uh, I don't know if I have one. That that hey, that's not a bad thing if you haven't found your limit yet. Yeah, because I'm thinking about because like I guess like being naked in drag would be hard, but I did that. I, I hosted I hosted a naked event where I was in naked. I was completely naked except for a necklace, makeup, and hair. Mm -hmm. uh, and I would have never thought that I would do that. And I did it. And it was what it was probably one of the funnest nights I've ever had in drag or out of drag, rather. Um, Partial drag. Uh, I think right now, I don't know if I would have actual sex on a stage. Okay. Um, and I, I mean that that's a hard if because back in my hoe days <laughs> certainly, <laughs> certainly had sex on stages before uh yeah it's just difficult drag is very uncomfortable position like even though i kind of feel sexy mm -hmm. nothing about that is sexy <laughs> to does, me do, does drag give you a boost of confidence that you wouldn't normally have yeah Absolutely. I think, well, what it does in terms of meeting new people is it's an immediate icebreaker. Mm -hmm. So there isn't any like, uh, I don't know, there isn't any guesswork. Like, you know what I am, you know what I'm about, right. you know what I do. Uh, and then we, 
people, I think particularly queer people, they just feel comfortable around drag queens. Do you find yourself introducing yourself to more people when you are in drag than when you're out of drag? Yes. Well, it's part of the job. Mm-hmm. Well, sure, sure. So, yeah. So in, you, introducing yourself and meeting new people is what I have to do. Um, for instance, when I'm out of a drag, if I'm if I am out and I'm out of drag, I don't want anybody to talk to me. Okay, that's fair. <laughs> that's fair. It's kind of the thing. Like I'm I'm here to hang out with my friends and drink mm-hmm. a little something and then go go home. Um, versus drag for me is always party mode, so I'm always like sure. If I'm in drag and I'm out, it's probably one because I'm working, so I'm gonna want to get to know you. And if I'm not working, I'm there for a good time, you know. That's fair. So, why is drag so important to our community? Oh God, what a question. Um, our community, LGBTQIA plus community. Yeah, I think. Drag, in essence, is a big F you to, now at least, to what is perceived gender. Mm-hmm. You know, like dresses are for girls and beards are for men, whatever. Uh, and I think that's important. I think that is important to the queer community be- to it is important to remind the, the queer and LGBTQIA community of that because we need to, it kind of reminds us that inclusion is really what this community is all about. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that when we put labels on ourselves and then when we gender things and um, it only hurts us all in the end. Right. So I think when you see a drag queen and you see someone who is, being very powerful and hyper-feminine, partic- usually around other very masculine people, it kind of shows this synergy and, and this ability for us to coexist right. in a way that is fun and happy and loving and light um, as opposed to how men treat women sometimes. Uh, and also, it's like we're, drag queens are natural leaders. It's what they do. When, when someone needs to take charge, you get a drag queen to do it because they mm-hmm. will do it and they will do it right. Um, and I think it's important to us. I, oh, gosh. I, I'm trying. There's so many answers in my head that I'm trying to get them into one, into one <laughs> sentence. Uh, drag. Uh, or, or uh, feminine drag, I think, is, is important to remind gay men that femininity is something that can be celebrated. Absolutely. Is there a bias when it comes to non-binary and trans performers in the nightlife scene? Yeah, absolutely. Because I and this is kind of what I was just talking about before. I think men, particularly gay men, who are kind of usually in charge of all of the spaces where drag queens performs, uh, are okay with men being feminine, but they're not okay with women uh, because misogyny is something that exists regardless of your sexual right. orientation. Uh, so when someone, I mean, I chose 
to come out as a trans person publicly after having been transitioning for a while, Mm -hmm. mostly because at the time I was working five nights a week and I was scared that my employment would be compromised. Right. Uh, And in some cases it was. So that is a legitimate fear. I, I don't know why. I wish I did. If, if I did know why, perhaps we could start working on how to fix it. Right. But it is true that most spaces, particularly aimed towards gay cis men, do not want drag queens who identify as trans. Or at least they don't want to know about it. Right. It's crazy. It is crazy to me. It's it, so it, crazy. It, it is, it's unfortunate. And I, like you said, I don't know what the solution is. Yeah, I, I don't think we know what the solution is because we don't necessarily know what the cause is outside of misogyny. But why are people so misogynistic? We just don't know. Well, no, I, don't, I, don't, I hope we'll get an answer one day, but I don't think we'll ever know. No, men are dumb. Mm-hmm. That's, <laughs> That's why. Reason, you, case where, in point. Where do you see the state of drag in five years? Oh, gosh. Hopefully not on Drag Race. Um <laughs> Drag race on fucked up drag. <laughs> uh, I mean, it's only getting bigger. It's only getting more expensive. I think it, it's scary to imagine that because everything right now is kind of so bloated and saturated. So in five years, it's probably only going to get bigger, which is which is lovely yeah. because younger people are getting involved and, and they're kind of learning how to express themselves and and, and express their gender in different ways uh, at a much younger age which is, you know, as a queer person who had a very tough time coming out publicly, I think that's lovely that younger people are, are feeling safe enough to be themselves so overtly. Uh, in five years, I just think, I think, I think drag is going to be, it's going to be on more primetime channels. Right. It's going to be on more primetime radio. It's going to be, in ABC sitcoms, uh, it's going to be walking down the street and not in a way that is ironic or making fun of it, but in a way that is more celebrating it. I yeah. think, especially with the recent political changes that have happened, uh, they, you know, we finally got Democrats back in power. Not to say that Democrats are, you know, saviors, but they certainly right. are more liberal than Republicans. Uh, I think uh, that it's, I mean, <laughs> We're just like, I hope that in five years, drag people realize that this is more of a career. This is, this is not only a career, it is a form of expression and protest mm-hmm. and celebration. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, and in five years, I'll, I would have won drag race and have a hundred thousand dollars. <laughs> and there you go. <laughs> well, we, we're going to celebrate by playing a little game called Tea Time, where you're going to spill some tea on some of your favorite sisters, friends, colleagues, people you shared a stage with, people you shared a screen with, people you may hate. We're going to find out. Oh, Are you yeah. ready? Fuck them all. <laughs> I have no friends. Yeah, sure. <laughs> all right. Let, let's start off with the fabulous Honey Davenport. Honey. Oh, I love Honey so much. We met years ago. Oh, she was kind of she because she was working on Long Island a lot too. Uh, we met in passing a ton. I met her when she was still dancing back up for Peppermint. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, she is somebody who I've probably made 
in terms of Rue Girls, the most costumes for. Mm-hmm. Uh, and she was really cool about kind of just trusting me to do stuff. So she would say, she's really good about, hey, I need it for this picture. It needs to be this color. And I need it by this date. This is the amount of money I have. Yeah. Which I love. You know, right. give me a rubric. Uh, she's very hardworking. She's always busy. She's very scatterbrained. And she likes sex a lot. Just a little bit. A little bit. <laughs> uh, and that's that's kind of, she's all about, and she's, she smoke weed have sex, get work done. Yeah, it's kind of her thing. And I love that. She she knows exactly who she is and I think it's a beautiful thing. Yeah. Next up, we have Dusty Ray Bottoms. Dusty. Oh, man, I was just talking to Dusty this morning. I'm making her a dress. Uh, Dusty is a dear, dear, dear friend of mine. Um, I don't know when we became close exactly, but I think it's just because we kind of we hung out once and i think we decided that like yeah we're gonna be friends cool um i i spent thanksgiving with her not this past one but actually uh i spent thanksgiving at her partner mark who's also a dear Mm -hmm. friend of mine uh his family's uh house on long island because uh, i told dusty that i didn't have anywhere to go for thanksgiving because that that year i didn't and she was like just come with us um, and that's just the kind of person she is. Yeah. She's like, you're my family. I love you. Just come. Uh, and she's really cool. She had a rough go of it, I think, for when she was on Drag Race and coming back mm-hmm. to New York City wasn't the most welcoming um, to her for many reasons, mostly because people suck. <laughs> but uh, I think now she's kind of gotten her act together and she's started doing drag for herself versus what other you know what the fandom wants her to do more and like she's just she i i told her this but i think she's she glows now like she loves doing drag again and that's really cool yeah well we miss dusty we miss i miss mark i do i miss him so much i i try to talk to him as much as i can because we used to hang out quite a bit yeah he's amazing well next up we have sugar cane Miss Shug. Oh, man. <laughs> I love Sugar Cane. She, uh, I I met her when she started mm-hmm. doing drag. Or in New York City, rather. Um, she did, she was a guest at my show at Rock Bar. We had her once a month and she would come through and I, and I fell absolutely in love with her. Um, we're both from El Salvador, so we kind of bonded. Oh, cool. That. Yeah. She's lovely. And I think what I like about Shug is that she is a lady of a certain age. Mm-hmm. She's a little, you know, she's a little long in the tooth. Uh, so she's not about the bullshit. Right. She is not about it. And I really respond to that kind of behavior <laughs> because, like, she tells you exactly how she feels. She tells you exactly what she wants. There's no guesswork. Uh, she comes into a gig. She does what she's there to do and what she's paid to do. She does it well. And then she goes home yeah she's you know pitting me a perfection and she's beautiful god damn her stunning i wish i looked like that when i'm 45 i'm gonna look like a prune (laughs) (laughs) i'm wrinkly now and she's just like beautiful all right next we have jim silvestri jim oh my work husband (laughs) oh gosh 
I've also Jim is somebody I've also known for years. He's kind of seen the development of Viva Vidalia more than anybody. Um, I think the first time I met Jim, he was wearing uh, he was wearing a cock cage at Boots and Saddles. <laughs> oh my god! Yeah, wow. many years ago. Oh my god, that's, that's the best he have gotten yet. <laughs> yeah, I wonder if he remembers because I remember seeing him and being like, "You're wearing spandex." <laughs> and also, like, very obviously wearing a cage for your cock. <laughs> oh, my God. So, like, clearly you want me to look. I'm going to ask you about it. But I met him then. And <laughs> <laughs> and he was also kind of, like, around in the bear scene a little bit mm-hmm. before before he became Thodicene. Right. Uh, and he was just cool. He's always been a cool guy. He's always been a little off kilter, but he's always been very sweet and very kind. Mm-hmm, absolutely. And, um, and he still is. And we get, I, I love working with him because he really, Jim is a really like take care of it kind of guy mm-hmm. where if he says he's going to do something, I know he's going to do it. If he says he's going to be somewhere, I know he will be there and absolutely. he'll be there early. And he's very reliable. And I, I, I just love him. He's so nice. <laughs> and he's he, like, he likes me and he books me. So we're best of friends. All right. Next up, we have Chola Spears. Chola. Okay. I made her some stuff. Uh, We're not super, super close, but I have an admiration for her. She's really, um, she's weird. (laughs) She is. And she knows it. Yes. She's weird. And she doesn't care if you think she is. Yeah. And I think that's so cool. Cause that's something that I don't have, you know, I'm constantly thinking about how people are going to perceive me and like me. Mm-hmm. Um, and she just kind of like her mixes are, are funny and they're gross. Yeah. And, and her humor is funny and it's gross. And, you know, she definitely has her own style of makeup that she does. It's cool to see her. I think um, when she started a few years ago to where she is now that, that rate of growth is so much and so fast that I kind of can't wait to see where she's going to be yeah. in like six months. You know, like she's going to be like a full on continental pageant queen by June for Maybe. Pride. That'd be cool. I think so. All right. Next we have Flower. Flower Tortilla? Yeah. Oh, Flower Tortilla, my, my, my trans sister. I love Flower. Uh, also somebody that I met pretty recently we don't hang out as much anymore because of pandemic stuff but I remember she was somebody that I really kind of opened up to about transitioning mm-hmm. um, only kind of later to find out that she wanted to talk about it because she was kind of going through her earned journey right. as well um, she is she's I think people don't know this about her because in drag we don't really get to talk about our lives outside of drag but she's she's a working professional mm-hmm. and she's damn good at her job. Um, I think now she's kind of m- moving towards a, a space of fundraising specifically for trans people. And if you go to her Instagram, you can see all the different people that she's trying. And, and I mean like direct payments, right? She's not going through charity or anything. She's like, this is this person's cash app. They need money for this. Send it here. Uh, and I think that, you know that that level of redistribution of funds amongst uh, the community is very needed currently mm-hmm. and she's out there doing it she's not just talking about it she's like 
this is what we need to do, so we're going to get it done. She's doing the damn thing. Yes, she is. Also, incredibly beautiful. and Absolutely. Yeah, and super funny and fun. Next up is Adriana Trenta. Oh, God. Adriana Grande. Um... I love Adriana. She used to, oh man, I don't, I don't know when we met. Gosh, I can't remember. We did New Year's. We, I was actually, we, her and I spent New Year's together last year. Uh-huh. <laughs> uh, we did a gig together and she's just a good time. She's, she's fun. I think people, one thing that I really appreciate about our, our Adriana Trenta is that she's in on the joke. Yes, she is. Yeah. Like she kind of realizes she like she knows exactly who she is, how she looks, how what she's doing, you know, and because some queens really don't know. Sometimes, correct. Some queens really don't know that this is kind of stupid, you know. Like this is all like waka waka, you know. Right. Um, but I, she, because I think people think she isn't. I think she plays dumb really well. Yeah, <laughs> but she she's in it. All right, next we have the one, the only, the Misty Mountains. All right. Oh, gosh. Here we go. Here. Yep. Uh, oh, I love Misty. I just love her. She, uh, the first time her and I met is when we were doing a competition together at the West End. Mm-hmm. Uh, the drag, ultimate oh, drag, drag pageant. pageant. Yeah. And her, I mean, she's like, she's as tall as a tree. She has huge hair. Uh, she pads like for the gods, so it's hard to miss her. Um, and her fashion is, was unlike anything that I had seen before, like her choice of costumes. Sure. And her like mixing of prints and and still looking very young and and that. So I was very drawn to her. And then uh, you get to see her perform, and you realize that she's absolutely one hundred percent stupid. Yeah. And she like. And I I admire that because you I don't think people if you looked at Misty Mountains I don't think you would ever consider her to be a comedy queen. Nope. Because her aesthetic is so beautiful, but she's so funny. Um, and she listen she dances in Seven and Chills and anybody who can do that has my whole heart. Yeah, she's always feeling her fantasy. Yes, I love her. Next we have Kareem McJagger. Mr. McJagger, Mr. Miss McJagger. Uh, just, oh gosh, consummate professional. Kareem has been doing not even, not drag, but nightlife forever. Mm-hmm. I mean, I don't think people give him the credit that he deserves. Yeah. Because he does so much and he's been around and remained relevant and, and he's loyal and he's funny. And he's a damn good performer and an excellent singer. Um, and also the body. The body. Oh my God. We the all, body. If we can Immaculate. have that kind of body. Oh my God. I don't even know. I don't think I'd, I don't think I don't, I wouldn't know what to do with all that power. No, nope. I don't think mm-hmm. I want that body. <laughs> I don't, I, um, I went there was, I went with honey to film some stuff. Uh, I believe. She, oh, she was filming. The video for Ron Unfiltered, which mm-hmm. I made the costumes for. Uh, and we stayed at Kareem's partner's 
business house because Kareem's partner is one of the owners of Just for Fans, Just for Dot Fans. Um, and I got to hang out with them, and it was cool to see Kareem not like be boyfriend and be partner and yeah. not like nightlife for a second. Yeah. And he's just the, the sweetest, kindest, uh, smartest person ever. It's one yeah. of the most intelligent people I've ever met. And he just knows a lot of things about a lot of things. Mm-hmm. Brilliant, brilliant, brilliant. Next up is Ari Kiki. Miss Kiki. Oh, I love Ari Kiki. She taught me, I mean, like I said, she gave me that best advice not to take this seriously. Um, and it's been the best advice I've ever gotten in drag. She is, I mean, Ari Kiki is also somebody who's been around forever and has just been doing it. And people have such immense respect for it because she's truly the definition of, of, getting work for being kind like people love to work with Ari I remember she would book guests for her show when Boots and Saddles was open yeah. and everybody wanted that guest, guest spot because everybody you know aside from uh, aside from you know just the money people wanted to work with Ari yeah she's so sweet and listen she God love her with her banged up knees, she would throw herself unafraid from that, like two feet above the ground. Just she just does it. Yeah. Um, there's a level of like zero fucks given that she kind of exudes that I wish I I could exude also. Yeah. She's just doing it. She's just like here for the laugh, you know. Yeah, and she she's got a brand, and everyone knows it, and she's instantly recognizable. That lip. Yeah, mm-hmm. everybody knows Ari Kiki. They know the hair, they know the shape, they know the lip. Next, we have Katrina Lovelace. Katrina. Uh, well, Katrina and I don't really speak anymore. Uh, so I don't know what she's doing, but I wish her the best. There, there you have it. Next, we have <laughs> Tina Burner. Tina Burner. Oh, I, I don't really know Tina at all. No? Which is actually really interesting. Yeah, her and I, uh, we've only met once, and it was at, uh, it, we, it was at um, Florence's house, mm-hmm. and I got to work on, I got to work on two of her costumes that she's going to be wearing on this season. Uh, I mean, God, she's she's, I just found out that she used to date Graham Norton. Did you know yep. this? I I had heard that. I didn't know. Yeah, what a secret! Is it a secret? There are very many pictures. Well, I, mean, I googled it, but like just for us to find out, it was a it was a secret, I guess, from nightlife. Oh yeah, I think that. I mean, well, I heard that I read that she was his boy. She was like his New York boy. Interesting. Which I think is fun. I think Graham Norton is the sexiest thing, so I'm kind of jealous. Yeah, he he's gonna be fun. He he's always a fun time. Well, next yeah. up, you, you spoke about her already. Florence DeLee. Florence DeLee. Oh, man. I, she, I mean, she's a hero of mine. She's mm-hmm. like exemplary in every way. Aside from just like being damn good at her costume work, Florence DeLee is one of the best drag queens that I've ever gotten the opportunity to perform with and see perform. She's so funny. I mean, like, 
I don't think people know how funny she she's yeah. so funny. She'll have you cackling. Like so, I mean, actually your side is hurting from her talking. <laughs> um and you know, and I, I learned a great deal about sewing and constructing from her. I also learned a great deal about uh performing in general from her, uh, and fashion style and, and tips and makeup stuff. Um, and she was an excellent roommate. That's good. We lived That's together for important. a while. We did a show at Rock Bar for a while. She's, you know, I don't think to date I've met somebody, even with people that I've hosted, her and I had like a, a timing that worked really well mm-hmm. with each other. Uh, and because of that, we got booked together a lot. Her and I met uh, working. No, no, that's not when we met. We met at Rock Bar at a at a party or whatever. Was Jim Silvestri's um, cock cage there? No, maybe. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> but it was some party and I was like, you know, like probably there naked or whatever, doing what I was doing mm-hmm. in the dark room. And I'm and Florence is, you know, seven feet, a million. <laughs> so I saw, I noticed him. I think I was attracted to him and then I heard him speak and I'm like, nah. <laughs> you know and t- listen internalized homophobia and fom- homophobia was a thing mm-hmm. now it's not but whatever he's very faggy <laughs> and he's proud of it sis <laughs> hey be true to you i'm here for it all yeah. right we have one last person and that person is lilith lefay Oh, Lilith, my bestie. Lilith is my best, best, bestest, bestest friend in this entire world. She is my, uh, she's my drag partner. We, uh, it's, you know, she she's a bad influence on me, <laughs> and she is, and and uh, <laughs> she, I care for her very dearly. Lilith has that ability to make you care about her. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Because she, she's so warm and loving herself that you kind of want to be that way. And she's really, I mean, for me personally, she's she's instilled that in me. She's kind of taught me to be a, a I don't want to say better person, but certainly a kinder person. Mm-hmm. Um, she's, you know, she was the first person that I told about being, you know, cons- thinking I was trans too. And she's incredibly supportive from the very beginning. Um, and he was just like, hey, if this is what you want to do, just fucking do it. And I did it. <laughs> um, and yeah, and she's always been very kind to me. And and we work well with each other. And she makes fun of me and I make fun of her. And then we have dinner and life is good. That's she's. Amazing. I wish people... Get, and also Lilith has been doing drag for a long time. She was one of the original Boots girls. Mm-hmm. Uh, what what being a boots girl has actually meant anything? So, <laughs> uh, and I I wish people mostly because people don't want to book trans women, but I wish people could get past that and see how brilliant she is because she's mm-hmm. so funny and and witty, and she's yeah. an excellent host, and she's well, beautiful. Yeah, she is. She's my bestie. My bestie's a bad bitch. <laughs> <laughs> let's say you've fallen down a rabbit hole on youtube what are you watching 
Oh man. I have two guilty pleasures mm-hmm. on YouTube. I love watching let's plays of video games. Okay. Because I love video games, but I'm terrible at them. And uh Game Grumps. Okay. Have you heard of the Game Grumps? I have not. Okay. The Game Grumps. <laughs> it's it's like freeform comedy with these two gentlemen, Aaron and Daniel, who play video games and kind of make fun of it. And and it's just a comedy show, but they're very um I guess the word would be like broy. Okay. It's like very broy comedy. Uh which is kind of my speed. All right. And like fart, fun. fart jokes. And, I love it. And I think it's great. <laughs> but yeah, that's what I like to watch. Um, anything related to games? I watch a lot of, I watch a lot of WoW Present stuff too. Like mm-hmm. I love the Trixie and Katya show. And... Yeah. They're classic comedians. They're good. Yes. If, if, if... If you could have dinner with a celebrity, dead or alive, who would it be? And what are you having? Jesus. Fish Jesus. And loaves. Okay. No. <laughs> um, <laughs> who? Ooh. I would like to have dinner with. I think I would like to have dinner with Michael Jackson. Okay. I would, and just be like, "What's going?" On? <laughs> yeah yeah that, he's like i need you what's going on you can, yeah, what's he, going on what happened who hurt you <laughs> oh god that's lots of impact right there um no that yeah because that'll be a fun conversation i think because if 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 michael jackson did decide to tell you everything you could probably write the most well best-selling book ever i think somebody has it you think so? Well, somebody's waiting on the tell-all Michael Jackson book. <laughs> I think so. I think his family. I think when when the mom and dad start when they when they die off, that <laughs> book is coming out. Probably, and I can't wait. Which I mean, I shouldn't talk about that way because what he did was mostly gross stuff. Right. I just he's such an interesting character to me. Oh, and Britney Spears, kind of the same vein. Like, I want to get into that psyche because something mm-hmm. is not right. There's a lot of things not right in that situation. Well, I, I have it may not even be because of her. Bits. It may not even be because of her. And that's what's so scary. Yeah. I have many feelings about this free Britney situation. Yeah. Well, <laughs> let, let, we're going to have some more feelings because we're about to do the pop five rapid fire where I'm going to give you five pop culture stories, headlines, things to talk about, things that happen on the news. And you're going to give me a word phrase, whatever you want to talk about. You ready? Okay. Number one is Drag Race yes. UK Let's season two. Oh, who cares? <laughs> ah, who cares? But you're getting Graham Norton. He's on again. Oh yeah, I don't. I didn't. I don't think I. I watched part of the first season, and I wasn't. I. I well, I didn't get it, but I'm also not English, so. Mm-hmm. Like, That's fair. That's fair. I mean, yeah. I, I, I found it as one of the top five seasons of in franchise history. Um, wow, really? I loved it. I love the characters so much. But it may also have been because I got to meet them at DragCon when they were there. But yeah, 
I like bag of chips. She's cool. Mm-hmm. Bag of chips is very funny. I, I, as everyone knows, I'm a Davina DeCampo stan. I love her. Oh, okay. All right, number two. Red hair in the silver dress. Yes, it is. She, that's iconic. All right, number two is the weekend's new face. Who? What? Say it again. The weekend has a new face. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, it's a look. Silly. Yeah, I don't. I I don't know if it's actually real. If it is real, that's on you, girl. But if you gotta, if you gotta explain something so fiercely, put yeah. it down. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Like, it's, it's something. Do you, is the is the theory that he actually did something to his face? That's what people are trying to figure out and speculate. Is like, is this real or is this just for the music video? Oh, I'm sure it's just for the music video. Come on. Yeah. We'll see. We'll find out soon. He's doing the uh, Super Bowl. All right. Number three is Bridgerton. Love it. Mm-hmm. Who is Love your it. Who is your Bridgerton crush? Uh, ooh, that's a good one. Because everyone would probably say the main character. What's his name? Don't tell um, me. Okay, well, I'm not, why am I blinking? Mr... I, there's no way I forgot his name. I just watch every single fucking episode. What is uh, Mr. Oh God, I should kind of think of it. I, I probably can't remember any of their names. Um, I think, uh, I mean, he's very handsome. Mm-hmm. I am, I am more into Simon. Mm-hmm. I would be more into the older brother okay. who's like <clears throat> having sex with the opera star. He's very cute. Uh, my crush, and I announced it, and I don't feel bad about it. I I had a little crush on Colin Bridgerton, which was uh, brother number three, the one that um, Penelope had a crush on. Oh yeah, he looked um he looked a little like Taylor Lautnerish. Oh yeah, a little bit. Yeah, I don't know. Right? He was he just he, he with he, the hair. Yeah, I I enjoyed him. He was my favorite. But that show is weird. Him. Yeah, they were all very handsome. They all looked quite the same. All yes. the brothers. Yes, very that. So very, I never knew when some. <laughs> I never knew uh, what was going on. Although the the middle brother, the artsy one, who's like okay with the guy doing the gay shit. <laughs> yeah, you know. See, this is how you know you're queer. I watched. I I'm like, oh, he's gay. Finally, gay shit. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like my only critique of Bridgerton is that there's not enough gay shit on it. Season two, I'm I'm sure we'll get some gay shit. I want. I want gay sex on a Shonda Rhimes TV show. Yep. Shonda, deliver it, please. Yep. All right. Number four is Wonder Woman 1984. No. <laughs> I didn't watch it. I'm not, a, uh, I'm not a DC person, so I have not seen it. All I've heard, all I saw was all the negative comments on Facebook. I was like, hard pass. Well, there was no, okay. So people stand Wonder Woman so fiercely mm-hmm. that there is never ever going to be a, a movie ever made that will right. satisfy any everybody. Uh, however, this movie was it was just like senseless things go boom, mm-hmm. you know, kind of situation, which I'm normally okay with, but this one was just a little like okay like she's fighting again we don't really know why and, and like 
you know, like, yeah, she's Wonder Woman, but and she's very powerful, but physics are a thing, and bullets don't do that. (laughs) And Kristen Wiig is a supervillain. What is this? Yeah, with like with anything, with any superhero movie, you kind of just gotta take it with a grain of salt and give it its grace. You know, like superheroes, like superpowers aren't real. So yeah. everything can't be based in fact. But I didn't like the movie in general. It was I was on my phone through it. <laughs> All right. Well, number five, leaving it off with gaze over COVID. Ooh. <laughs> um funny. It's very mm-hmm. funny. I wonder if gaze over COVID is going to actually do what it sets out to do. And by that, I mean, if anybody is actually going to look at the people that are listed on that and treat them on the, on the Mm -hmm. page and treat them any differently Mm -hmm. than they would normally treat them. Cause this happens. I mean, cancel culture is a thing. Mm Mm-hmm. Uh, some people have very strong feelings about it. I actually don't mind it because when you do something wrong, you get called out. Uh, however, there's this thing that happens with conventionally attractive white cis gay men that when they do things that are bad, uh, people tend to forgive them a little quicker if they're sure. attractive. Yep. Um, and I am inclined to believe that that is probably what's going to happen with many of the men at, that are being outed by case over COVID. I would agree. I think that $500 thing was great though. That queen well, that was, that was like, we're going to get that. was fun. But then, and then all of a sudden gaze over COVID is um, removed on Instagram and people are like, what the hell? And then it comes back less than 12 hours later. Who it, 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 it's, it's a whirlwind, but I think what is also, well, they got reported a hundred times. Right. By you know? the people who, we're about to be outed and that just if you can't own up to your mistakes then don't do it in the first place yeah or don't get caught like oh this is that's that's probably one of the craziest things to me um like if you're doing something that you listen is it possible that some of the people went to Puerto Vallarta and did things as safely as they possibly could? Absolutely. Yes, it is possible. Highly unlikely, but it is possible. So if you are going to this party, which is already ill-advised, and you are trying to do things safely, or you're vowing to do things safely, stop posting about being there. Right. You know, like, you know, and that that's kind of the thing where like people who did post about it and you knew that this was going to create backlash. Like, absolutely. Where there's, where have you been? If you it's thought true. it wouldn't, uh, it's just a very silly thing. You know, like, I mean, listen, I, I traveled to Texas, not for a party, but I traveled to Texas because my family's moving to Texas and we purchased a house. Uh, so I went, but you know what I didn't do? Post pictures of me everywhere. And if right. I did post a picture, I was wearing a mask mm-hmm. and I was take because I was taking precaution, like stop posting shit and then getting mad when people call you out on it. Yeah. <laughs> what the fuck? And, the, and listen, like, but the but the truth of it remains that people are it's gonna it's a it's a new thing and then people are gonna forget. Like 
and obviously there's very selective like caring about things like Shangela and Silky Ganache and, and Vanji and Vanji were just filmed there but there is no uprising against them uh, so like if you're going to be mad at one of them you got to be mad at all of them it's all a shit show but it's funny as all hell and yeah. like I kind of like let them destroy themselves you yeah. know I, I'm here for it. You can so only I help have, people that want to be helped. Exactly. I have a not a question, but a comment in the fan corner. And this is from Dan Jimenez. Just want to oh, tell damn. her I love her. Wishing much success in the new year. Oh, Danny is one of Dan is somebody I met at Rock Bar mm-hmm. and fell madly in love with. <laughs> and <laughs> I oh God, I love him all the time. I tell him all the time. He's a and then like he 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 likes to credit me for his confidence, but it's that's not necessarily true. He went on to win uh, Mr. Fire Island Bear, and he got to travel a lot. And he's a very sought after go go bear, um, and he's just the loveliest person. That's awesome. Very much. Well, I have my previous guest ask my current guest a question, and this is a question from Patty Bure. Okay. What would your concept be for a one-person show? My concept for a one-person show. I. Oh God. Like like a. Well, it would be a cabaret. Um, so. I guess we didn't talk about it very much, but many people don't know. But I, I've been doing music for a very long time, and mm-hmm. and I've recorded and released a few things. Uh, and there's a project that I've been working on or started working on almost 10 years ago mm-hmm. and it's called how to fall in and out of love. Okay. <laughs> uh, and it is a collection of songs that kind of details the relationship that I went through, uh, several relationships that I went through in chron- mm-hmm. chronological order. Um, and I set them to music and I was writing a cabaret for it. I actually got to perform the, I, I did like a test run of it at Phoenix bar, not last year. Mm-hmm. Um, and I would really like to get to perform that in a space because yeah. it is a lot of fun. Uh, in general, I think I, I love talking about love. I love being in love. I love all of that stuff. Um, and I and I love heartbreak, and I love talking about that too. So if I were to ever do a one-woman show, it would be uh, a piano myself, and I would be singing, and I would be telling the story of how to fall in and out of love. I love that. That's what I want to do. Do you have a dream venue for it? Um, probably Lori Beachman. Okay. Because it is, uh, it is just very, um, theater space. 54 below would be gorgeous too. Um, actually what I would really like to do it is there's this, this bar down here in, in Brooklyn called the deep end. Mm-hmm. And they have a space that is essentially just a big empty warehouse looking thing and um i got i did cabaret the show there Mm -hmm. and i saw how people were able to kind of transform it into a very intimate space so i would like to perform it there too that's cool yeah also the acoustics of like a warehouse is yeah well now it's your turn to ask my next guest a question do i get to know who it is nope why are you stupid um I would like to know 
what? Okay, I would like to know what 90s cartoon character they most identify with. All right, I like that. That's fun. That's a cool one. Yeah, I'm Helga Pataki. <laughs> <laughs> right down to the unibrow. I don't know who I would be. I'm, I'd have to think on that one. But in hopes of expanding the Block Talk community, I'm going to ask all my guests now, who do you want to hear on a future episode? I would like to hear on a future episode. I'd like to hear Little Fafé. All right. I think y'all would have a wonderful conversation. Yeah, that'd be a lot of fun. Well, where can everyone find you on social media and Venmo? Uh, you can find me on Instagram as Viva Vidalia. That's V-I-V-A-V-I-D-A-L-I-A. Or you can find me on Facebook, Viva Vidalia as well. Venmo, you can find me at Viva Vidalia. <laughs> and uh, Cash App, you can also find me as Viva Vidalia. Keeping it simple for the kids. That's right. Well, well, Nobody was, took my name. Yeah. It was so much fun chatting with you. Thanks for coming on. It was lovely speaking with you also as well. The biggest thanks to Viva for coming on. Subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, SoundCloud, or Stitcher, and leave us a review while you're there. If you have any questions or comments, drop me a line at theaterinthenow.com via our question link. Like, listen, love. Until next time, I'm Michael Block, and that was Block Talk. Block Talk.